Welcome to TP Talks, PwC's Global Transfer Pricing Podcast Series. Today's episode will be part one of a two-part episode discussing potential U.S. tax reform and how it may impact transfer pricing between the U.S. and Mexico. My name is Ben Brewer, and I'm joined today by Raul Cecilia, a partner and the TP country leader for PwC Mexico, Jorge Castellón, a principal in the PwC Chicago office who worked as a TP specialist in Mexico for over 15 years, and Mike Danilak, a principal in PwC's Washington National Tax Services and the former deputy commissioner in the IRS's Large Business and International Division. On part one, we'll address the impact of lowering the U.S. corporate tax rate on deferral structures, how the maquiladora industry may be impacted by the U.S. tax reform, and what the Mexican government's response may be. Jorge, why don't you start a conversation? Thank you, Ben. And I'm going to start by asking Mike to give us a, an overview of uh, what is being proposed in terms of U.S. tax reform, given there's uncertainty on the topics. I think if we could start by uh, understanding what the main topics are, that would be great. Mike, could you please provide us a, an overview of U.S. tax reform? I will try to do that, Jorge. There's a tremendous number of very interesting and sweeping changes that are being considered in connection with our tax reform. Just to give you a brief rundown of the the various provisions that uh, I would consider to be most uh, highly impactful, and then maybe we can talk about them one at a time. Uh, First of all, there has been a pretty widely held consensus that the U.S. needs to lower its corporate rate. We currently have one of the highest rates, if not the highest corporate rate in the world, and it's created tremendous challenges for our companies, so there's a, a lot of discussion about getting that rate down. Secondly, there's serious consideration being given to moving away from our current worldwide system of taxation, which presumptively taxes in the U.S. earnings regardless of where they're earned, and instead moving to a territorial system, much like most countries in in the world, I think it's fair to say, have a territorial corporate regime where earnings that are uh, generated overseas are, are not subject to tax in the jurisdiction. So there's a drive to move us in that direction. Going along with that move to a territorial system is the concept of mandatory repatriation of the earnings that are offshore currently. And there's a provision that would call for a different rate to apply in connection with that mandatory repatriation. But if you have accumulated foreign earnings, they'd be subject to uh, it's an 8.75 percent tax rate if uh, those earnings are reflected in cash holdings. And to the extent they're not, the tax rate would be at 3.5 percent. Presumably, although it's a little less than clear how this will work, they'll also, in connection with calling for this mandatory repatriation, if you will, they'll also uh, scale back on the foreign tax credits that are available to offset those lower rates of tax. And then we can't forget the, the border adjustment features of the House blueprint, perhaps the most controversial element that I think people are uh, very focused on today. And uh, the border adjustment would work to exempt from the U.S. tax any exports, and it would, in essence, subject to the U.S. tax imports likely by disallowing a deduction against your your cost of goods sold, for example, if you're importing goods into the United States, again, in effect, 
subjecting those imports to the U.S. tax. And then the last thing I'd throw out is a provision which would allow for uh, expensing or a complete write-off of all capital investments. So rather than making a capital investment and depreciating the asset over time, instead you'd be able to take a uh, current deduction upon making the investment. So those are the, I'd say, what did I, I probably covered five different provisions. That those are the most serious big picture items that are on the table right now. Great. In the context of Mexico-U.S. transactions, it seems that these would be uh, important incentives for U.S. companies to consider bringing more of the taxable incomes into the U.S. at a lower rate, and also there's other incentives to invest and, and deduct. Uh, of course, this could potentially have an impact uh, with the U.S. main trading partner with Mexico. And uh, I think there's a lot of talk in the last uh, few weeks about the trade balance between Mexico and the U.S. Uh, we know in the work that we do in transfer pricing that the manufacturing sector in Mexico is very important, and they uh, rely on selling those manufactured goods into the U.S. Of course, it's not the only one, but uh, obviously there will be a, a lot of concern in Mexico regarding the, the U.S. reform. I would ask Raul, in light of the anticipated changes in U.S. Uh, tax rules, uh, what could be expected in Mexico and how would that uh, affect transfer pricing? Thank you, Jorge. Yes, in Mexico we are looking closely how the process is going in the U.S. and how these uh, proposals advance in Congress or uh, the discussions that will take place. For Mexico, this, uh, if all these uh, proposals are accepted, from a Mexican standpoint, uh, this uh, would have a, an important impact, especially in those uh, industries, in those sectors that are clearly exporters. And as you mentioned, we, uh, our main trading partner is the U.S., and uh, most of uh, the exports from Mexico go to the U.S., exports that are basically shape under the maquiladora industry and some other industries that are not working under the maquiladora program, but however, they export a great deal of, uh, of goods into the U.S. And the Mexican officials have uh, mentioned that they are looking closely to this process and eventually we may expect a that based on the changes that are being approved in the U.S., Mexico will have to start its own process of uh, tax reform in order to not lose investments, to keep the actual investments in Mexico, and to be attractive for a new investment in Mexico. Great. So it's clear that there will be a response to the U.S. tax reform in Mexico. Maybe it would be useful to see what the impact of each one of these provisions would be on both sides of the border. And I think the most relevant ones, I think, are that they're all very relevant. That one that would have an immediate impact, I think, and it's probably, it would be easier to see that impact would be the reduction in U.S. corporate income tax rates. I don't know if you could tell us a, a little bit about uh, the, the impact of this on, on U.S. investment and what do you foresee, uh, Mike, and also Raul after uh, Mike is done explaining that. Yeah, let me get us started. Of course, as you say, Jorge, the, the lower rate is critically important. The, the U.S. rate being so high has really motivated uh, U.S. companies to invest in ways taking into account the tax effects uh, of the investment, and often that may mean that uh, an investment is better placed in a jurisdiction with a lower rate. We have a worldwide system, of course, but we, we do have uh, deferral as, as part of that worldwide system. So 
presumptively any earnings that are earned offshore are deferred. The taxation of those earnings is deferred into, uh, until you repatriate, but we also have an anti-deferral regime that attempts to tax currently uh, some of those profits, typically thought of as profits that are highly mobile. And, and so that, that system, which is, um, is really a, a system that combines the high U.S. rate with the worldwide potential taxation upon repatriation and the anti-deferral regime, that entire system uh, really has driven a, a tremendous amount of, of careful tax planning on the part of U.S. companies. And you'll see that in arranging supply chains throughout the world, multinational enterprises that have global footprint will carefully plan where they have certain principal uh, companies, certain holding companies, finance companies, et cetera, again, looking to uh, ensure that not all profits are immediately subject to the U.S. rate. So a lot of the structures that you see in place where U.S. companies are investing in Mexico, but perhaps through other jurisdictions, are structures that are put in place to take into account the, the fact that the U.S. tax system is out of line with the rest of the world. So I think what we'll see with the lower rate and a move to a territorial regime, perhaps backstopped by some anti-deferral rules and also with this mandatory repatriation as kind of a, a transition to that new regime, what I think you'll see is U.S. companies taking a, perhaps a different point of view on how their supply chains work, perhaps even doing some restructuring to ensure that you know they're, they're positioned well from a transfer pricing perspective. So I would say the biggest impact of the lower rate and some of the move to a territorial regime will be that some of the supply chain planning, some of the structures that we've, we've gotten used to working with will change. Yeah, I think Raul mentioned the maquiladora industry. Uh, this is a, uh, the maquiladora program is a program designed by the Mexican government to provide incentives to take advantage of Mexico's competitive advantage in labor. And you mentioned value chain. Of course, when you look at the supply chain, a lot of U.S. companies have a very important manufacturing component that is located in Mexico. I think to put into context the discussion, it would be useful to hear from Raul. Uh, what are these incentives that are provided from the maquila industry? Or you, if you could describe to us uh, why is the maquiladora industry so important to North American uh, value chains? Yes, Jorge, thank you. Let me start explaining a, a little bit how the maquiladora program works. The maquiladora program, as you mentioned, is an incentive given by the Mexican government in which companies can import uh, duty-free and basically value-added tax-free goods uh, to be uh, raw materials goods that will be processed in Mexico and after that those goods will be exported. If a company complies with these requirements of imported goods and uh, to be ultimately exported, the company will have those uh, benefits of uh, not paying duties or not paying value-added tax at the time of, uh, of the import. We have uh, to take into consideration that in Mexico there are around 4,000 plants that operate under the Maquila program, basically with the purpose of uh, export the goods in, into the U.S. There are different countries that have uh, Maquila operations in Mexico, but the largest a country with uh, operations under the maquila uh, industry is uh, clearly the, the U.S. And you mentioned, and, and Mike mentioned, uh, if the tax rate is uh, reduced in the U.S., many companies will be uh, tempted to review the, the current structures. 
to review the supply chain, how the business is, is being structured, and many companies have uh, in those structures a maquiladora or a maquila operation in Mexico. From a Mexican perspective, if a company will review the actual business model and eventually will evaluate a restructuring in order to take advantage of this uh, reduction of uh, the rate, that would have an impact in Mexico and because those restructurings most likely will involve the Mexican entities. And from that, the, all the restructurings that may happen with it will have to cover and will have to take care of uh, the transfer pricing regulations that are actually in place in Mexico. And I'm sure that the Mexican government will be active in reviewing and, and supervising that these uh, restructurings happen following those rules. I see this as an immediate impact in the operations for, for maquiladora companies in Mexico. But also, I think there's a, a in another way, if a uh, the reduction of the rate in the U.S. happens. Mexico have uh, some regulations that we call it the preferential tax regimes. Before we get into that, it, it might be useful to provide a, a general understanding of what the structuring around the maquilas is and how that affects the value chain uh, and how that could affect value chain planning. And I could probably provide a, I, I would provide a brief description of that if, if you don't mind. And, and basically, uh, the maquiladora structures have evolved from a very basic model where there is a Mexican plant that operates as a toller, uh, basically processing goods under instructions of a U.S. principal that owns the machinery and equipment. And those basic tolling models have evolved into something more complex. And many U.S. corporations have looked at the maquila structures and realized that they could move the U.S. principal functions to a more favorable jurisdiction and also take advantage of some hybrid mechanisms to have a Mexican branch of the non-U.S. principal that would be managing the maquila operations and getting a a tax benefit. I think that, that type of operating model is going to have to be revised. Uh, and also, in this context, uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts in, in terms of how that revision would take uh, with lower tax rates in the U.S. and also uh, with potential border adjustments. And of course, I, I would ask Mike to give us his thoughts on this and to briefly describe what the border adjustment system be in the U.S. Okay. Well, I, I could jump to border adjustment, but before I do, just to finish off on the lower rate and the, the move toward a tax system that doesn't sort of favor you moving principal structures to other jurisdictions, as, as you just described, Jorge, I think it's the case that U.S. companies either will restructure uh, and attempt to bring some of what we see having migrated out of the U.S. to take advantage of those benefits that we've just described. I think we'll see some reversal of that. We may see companies actually pulling going the other direction and moving the principal back to the U.S. because of the, the lower U.S. rate. And we may see some you know, actual corporate restructuring in that same vein. Uh, and I'm assuming uh, you've already said that Mexico will be paying close attention to those types of, of changes. I was interested to hear Raul's comment, though, because of, about preferential regimes, because, Raul, are you suggesting that we, the, the U.S. may be viewed as being on some sort of blacklist in Mexico, or what would be the effect of Mexico looking at the U.S. regime and, and declaring it to be a preferential regime? Yeah, my, as I mentioned, Mexico has this 
preferential regime that basically states that if a country has a corporate income tax rate lower than the 75% of the Mexican, it should be considered as a preferential tax regime and therefore payments to such country will be subject to higher withholding tax rates. Currently, the Mexican tax rate, the corporate income tax rate is 30%. The 75% of that would be 21.5%. So if the rate in the U.S. is lower than this 21.5% that most likely would happen, the U.S. would qualify as a preferential tax regime. And I think this is a serious situation in which, from a Mexican perspective, Mexican government should think very deep to start a tax reform that would change that. Changing that means uh, eventually, for, from a Mexican perspective, the reduction of corporate income tax rate and eventually increase or expand the base of the value-added tax. Uh, as you know, in Mexico, we have a federal value-added tax system as well, but I think uh, that would be a good scenario to have uh, uh, the U.S. federal tax regime for Mexican income tax purposes. So it sounds as though Mexico would have a couple of options. One, to lower their own rate so that 75% of a lower Mexican rate turns out to be something less than where the U.S. ends up. Could they also amend the law if they don't lower the rate enough to get the 75% below the U.S. rate? Could they also amend the law to just ensure that the U.S. isn't declared? And the other question I have, so the penalty of being a preferential country is higher withholding taxes. Do you know, you may not know, it may not be a fair question, but we have a treaty between the U.S. and Mexico that establishes the appropriate withholding rates. But if the U.S. Is, falls within this preferential regime and the U.S. Uh, Mexican withholding rates are increased, does the treaty somehow override that? Yeah, it's a good question. In general terms, Mike, the higher withholding tax rates under professional tax regimes could be up to 40%. I understand, Raul, the withholding rates apply on all payments to residents in those preferential regimes. So even if the payments relate to, for example, services or sales of tangible goods. Okay, so the treaties that address basically portfolio payments, royalties, interest, dividends, wouldn't have the broad enough scope to ensure that type of withholding penalty doesn't come in. Interesting. That's correct. Thank you for listening to part one of this episode. In part two, they will discuss the potential border adjustment tax, capital expenditures in the maquilador industry, and the impact of tax reform on tax treaties involving the United States. You can find part two on the TP Talks website, www.pwc.com forward slash TP Talks, or on iTunes and Stitcher.